Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Your host for the evening, Matthew Betts, joined as always by Matt Okada to break down week 11, get you ready for the playoff push, and get you ready for another W in your fantasy matchup. Okada, how you doing, man? I am doing great, Betts. Wednesday is my day off of work. Well, Wednesday and Saturday, but I don't have Sundays off, obviously, because I work at the NFL. So this is, uh, you know, my hangout day, my relaxed day, and my podcasting day. It's a win-win-win all around. Yeah, and I want to just give our listeners a little bit of an inside look here um, as to what I'm seeing on my computer screen. True. You were in a robe. Yes. Uh, not No offense by this at all. Your hair looks a little disheveled. <laughs> you look like you may have just woken up about an hour ago. I would say uh, I got out of bed about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and listeners, it is 4.35 on the East Coast as of this recording. <laughs> I've had a full day of work today, so I am uh, well awake, ready to go uh, for this podcast, but... <laughs> Uh, we got a jam-packed show. This week, we are going to actually give ourselves a couple of days in between our two recordings. We normally do the Patreon episode and the weekly show, uh, which releases on your podcast app on Thursdays. We do them back-to-back, but we're going to record our second show on Friday. We'll release probably Saturday morning, uh, previewing the 4 p.m. games, talking through uh, Thursday Night Football recap, and kind of getting you ready for the rest of the slate here. If you want access to that information, head on over to patreon.com slash redshirtspod. You can get that and so much more. Go on over, check it out. Um, definitely a good deal in my opinion. All right, Okada, before we get over into the news, we have Betts' big question. Now, I didn't post this on the show doc. I see that. Because I wanted to I wanted to uh, kind of lead off with this, and it'll help us transition and segue into our game previews. Um, it's simple, straight up. Who you got? Who scores more fantasy points on Thursday night? Juju Smith-Schuster or Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh. Wow. The battle of the disappointments. Um, (laughs) That's an understatement. I am going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster. All right. We're going to leave it at that. Um, We're going to break this this game down in more detail here in a few minutes. So that's your answer. I'm actually going to agree with you on this one. I'm also going to go Juju and we will explain why here in a minute. On Twitter, this got over 500 votes. The vast majority of people still leaning towards Odell Beckham. I don't know if it's name value. I don't know if it's just the fact that you had to draft him um, with the hype that was there. But yeah, people are, are not letting go. Um, it's tough, man. It's really tough. We'll talk about it here soon. Reminder for everyone, check us out online, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Our awesome uh, staff of writers is crushing it there each week. We've got articles up checking out uh, the best starts and sits of the week. We've got an article kind of recapping the week that was from week 10. So check that out. It'll definitely help you uh, moving forward to set your lineups. Find us on social media. We are everywhere uh, at RedshirtsFFPod, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, uh, Twitter. Find us over there. All right, Okada, let's get into the news. I got great news, guys. Oh, Oh, all right, man. It's it's actually pretty light this week as far as news is concerned. 
Um, we're going to talk about, of course, the injuries that are going on around the NFL as we preview these games. But as far as you know, pure news in the NFL, there's one big piece of information to talk about, and it's the fact that Colin Kaepernick is getting a private workout in Atlanta this Saturday. Now, I've been seeing some reports you know, on social media and that sort of thing about most of the teams are going to attend. What are you hearing as far as what this means for potentially Colin Kaepernick back in the NFL in the future? And what are your thoughts there in terms of you know what teams might be out there looking for a quarterback? Uh, I would say, first of all, that the feel that I get from being at the network is that a, not a lot of teams are going to send high uh, ranking, I guess you could say, um, officials of the team to this. They're going to send the interns. Midweek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's the day before games in the middle of the season. Coaches are prepping. And unless you happen to be in Atlanta, which no one is, by the way, because it's uh, the Falcons are playing in Carolina, so not even the Falcons are in Atlanta. It, I don't think nobody's going to want to go out there unless they're just absolutely desperate. As far as like sending a head coach or, you know, your head scouts, whatever. I think that they'll probably, some teams who are desperate will send some lower level guys just to check out what's, if he looks even mildly decent, which I imagine he will. And if we're being honest, he's got to be better than some of the absolute doo-doo starting quarterbacks that are being rolled out right now. I mean, Brandon Allen, uh, yeah. Ryan Finley just got his first start. In all honesty, Betts, I don't know if I would take Dwayne Haskins over Colin Kaepernick. And he's a first Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's mean, too early for that. <laughs> awful. I don't mean permanently. I just mean right now, which to be fair to the Redskins, it's not like they're going to be looking, you know, they're not contending. The only teams that would go out and actually potentially sign Kaepernick would be a team that's contending and somehow still needs a quarterback, which is pretty rare, or potentially a team that just wants a solid backup in case they something were to happen to their, you know, starter. So yeah, I think I agree with I, you there I, as far as the backup role. That's that's what we're looking at here for Kaepernick. Yeah, I think it's if I had to go with a you know percentage chance, I think it's pretty low that he gets signed. I'm going to put it at 29. percent All right, I like the uh, exact number there, not 30, 29. <laughs> percent New. The timing of this is weird. Like, yeah, from a scheduling perspective, I don't know who sets this up for Kaepernick, but the SEC has a huge game on Saturday at 3:30, um, and that's when the workout is supposed to take place. I think it's at four. He works out. It starts at three with interviews and that sort of thing. But uh, we've got Georgia and Auburn, one of the biggest Ooh. matchups of the year in college football. A half hour after this is supposed to start, there are going to be no top-tier scouts at Kaepernick's workout because of the fact that you know they're going around to these big-time college games to see what the real prospects look like. And it's kind of unfortunate for the timing. Um, and obviously, we don't have time to get into the whole debate as to how he's been treated in the NFL. But uh, we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens here. We'll monitor the situation, and obviously we'll update with any other news. Other thing I want to talk about, Okada, it's not on the dock. The Jets are coming out, and they're putting themselves out there, man. They are all in on Adam Gase yep. uh, coming out and saying, you know, regardless of what happens for the rest of the year, regardless of our record, Adam Gase is our guy for this season and next for sure. So um, what can we take away from this from fantasy? I mean, I, my biggest reaction was, okay, you know, like as far as 
being optimistic about this team next year. I don't know that I will be, given the fact that we've seen this from Geese now three, four years where he's kind of just had losing teams every single season and the concerns with how productive they can be. So nothing really to, to speak to this season, but anything that you can think of that comes to your mind for next year that maybe you would have liked to see a, a different head coach or something like that in there uh, for the Jets? Um, I have pretty mixed feelings for a couple reasons. One is I think Adam Gase is awful. I think he's one of the worst head coaches. So that's just rough to have to suffer another Boom, year roasted. with him. Yeah. Um, however, getting a constantly switching coaches and getting a new coach is almost never better than just sticking with the same coach that you had in his first year for a second year, having another year in that system and hopefully taking a step forward in that system. So I, I it's, I have very mixed feelings about whether I think this will be okay or good even for Darnold. Um, I kind of like the idea that he'll be in the same system again. I kind of don't like the idea that Gase is just bad. Um, uh, and then, then the, the one main thing I'll say is I think the biggest disappointment probably of the year is Le'Veon Bell. Well, to the average fantasy player slash analyst, as we all know, Betts and I hated Le'Veon Bell coming into the year. And this is why. And I don't think that this has too much to do with Gase. I think it has more to do with the offensive line and just the way that he fits into this team. So... I don't think it's going to be any better for him, really, or for the team in general. But I think it could maybe be okay for Darnold. Did you go out and trade for Le'Veon Bell at all before your trade deadlines closed in your fantasy leagues? Because the matchups have been awesome. And I think that's what a lot of people are hearing is go trade for this guy. I almost did it. I almost actually took the plunge. Thank God the the, the guy I was trying to trade with denied it. But um, yeah, I own zero Le'Veon Bell this year. Not one share. How about you? Nope. Not a share. Not Didn't before, even try not to, to get him in a trade? No. I love it. Sticking to your guns. All <laughs> right, man. We're going to get over into the breakdowns here for all the games. Reminder for everyone, the following teams are on by Packers, Giants, Seahawks, and Titans. And real quick, Okada, let's just talk about uh, the Seahawks because we've got some big-time injury news regards to Tyler Lockett mm-hmm. to discuss, and then we'll get right over into the, the game previews. So normally we, we break down the injuries as we go through each matchup, obviously with the team on by. It's worth monitoring Tyler Lockett's situation. He ended up in the hospital um, after the Monday Night Football game, which, by the way, what a game, um, yep. with a left lower leg injury. Basically what happened here is he took a direct shot to the leg and is dealing with a bruise. That bruise, if it's severe enough, can cause swelling inside of the lower leg where there's different compartments of muscles and nerves and blood vessels and essentially if those uh, components swell to the point where the nerves and the arteries are getting you know compressed it can cause really really serious issues with potentially losing a limb so that's why he was in the hospital but fortunately we heard some news today on Wednesday that Tyler Lockett is back in Seattle he is home um, and he escaped any serious injury so he actually should be okay for the Seahawks after the bye just wanted to let everyone know that if they were making plans for him, he should be uh, good to go moving forward. All right, man, let's get over into the game previews here. Um, we'll got, we're going to start with Thursday Night Football, as we always do. We tease it at the top of the show. Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. Um, a very low over-under on this matchup, Okada. I don't think Vegas is expecting a lot of points here or a lot of offense. And with that being said, I think we're going to see that type of game script 
I'll let you kind of kick things off for me for you here. Give me like your your best play in this game. Who is your favorite fantasy option in the matchup? Oh, I really don't have any. Um, both defenses have well. I would say the Steelers' defense has been better. The Browns' defense kind of uh, challenges more directly the better players on the Steelers. I think I'd probably go with if healthy, which you can speak to, James Conner. Uh, would probably be my choice there. What do we expect for him? Yeah, Connor's going to be good to go. He was uh, listed as a full practice participant all week. They came out today saying that they are going to start him. He should be fine. And I actually do think he, he will be okay. The only concern with the AC joint basically is any direct contact to that area and how sore is it and you know does it cause the shoulder to have too much pain to play through. So essentially right now it's a pain management issue. For Connor, I would suspect him to play with an injection into the joint to basically numb it up for pain control and play with, you know, they, they kind of call it a donut. So it's kind of just a little circle of a pad that sits on top of the shoulder, right underneath the shoulder pads to provide some extra cushioning there and offload the joint. So he should be okay as far as his performance. It, you can't predict injury with these, right? Like it's either mm-hmm. he's either going to fall on his shoulder in the wrong way, which you can't predict, um, or he'll be okay. So I think he gets the green light for me in this matchup. Which, if he does, this is not a thing where the pain management leads to like reduced carries or anything like that, right? We we shouldn't. No, expect. it shouldn't. Okay, yeah. Then I would definitely, I would definitely lean towards Connor. I think the Steelers team is morphing into a very interesting elite defense plus run game sort of thing with Mason Rudolph ideally just managing the game as best he can, uh, and for them to win against the Browns, I think that's going to be the key. Get some takeaways off. Baker, which is not hard to do, uh, nope. stop the run game and run your own run game against the Browns, and I think that they can pull that off. So I'll go Connor. Yeah, I like that call a lot. 17-plus touches in four of his previous five games before going down with injury. Um, six touchdowns in his prior six games before injury. So he's definitely been productive when he's gotten the workload. I think he will. And you look at what this backfield has been when he's been out. It has been atrocious. They could not run the ball to save their life, and it was just check down city for Jalen Samuels for Mason Rudolph. So uh, I definitely agree with you. I like James Conner in this matchup. Mason Rudolph I don't think is on anyone's streaming radar this week. He's only averaging like 190 yards per game. Um, So it's a very, very small output of production there. You can't really start him. Like you said, against a a defense that's kind of coming into their own at the right time, they're getting back some healthy cornerbacks here in Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. And it definitely shows there. So I don't like Mason Rudolph at all in this matchup. Um, I think you have to temper expectations for that reason with the pass catchers. Now, we talked about Juju a little bit at the top of the show. Out of those three, Juju, Deontay Johnson, um, and James Washington, who we saw emerge last week, would you prefer Juju out of those three? Yeah, I'm still sticking with Juju. He's the most talented by far of the three. Um, And... There's always going to be games, and it will probably happen a couple more times this year, that one of those other two guys gets the big catches or draws the easier corner, and so he gets targeted more, and they outproduce Juju. But on the whole, I expect Juju to be better, and I don't see any specific reason in this game to lean away from him versus those other guys. So I'll stay with him. I'm staying with him over Odell, so definitely stay with him over those guys. Yep. Love it. Uh, Brown's slot corner, TJ Carey, is getting destroyed this year Mm. Uh, he's giving up 9.2 yards per attempt on 45 targets and looking at other slot receivers against him 
Cooper Cup, 11 for 102 and 2. Julian Edelman, 8 for 78 and 2. Tyler Lockett, 5 for 75. Cole freaking Beasley, 4 for 74. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I like Juju in this matchup. He's pretty much the only pass catcher I want to start. Um, any interest in Vance McDonald? He's in the shined turd <laughs> tier. Yes. So yes. And it, if it's you getting are worse. Streaming, it all is. These injuries. I know the tier gets bigger somehow every week. That's um, so bad. Yeah. But uh, so if you're streaming, he's a guy who could hit. But I'd prefer to go somewhere else if I could. Obviously. Yeah. Um, On to the Brown side of the ball. We talked about Odell Beckham a little bit already. Let's just start with him. Uh, the team force-fed him targets last week. He saw 12 against um, a very good Bills secondary there, of course, in Tredavious White. Pretty much shut him down. It, it took 12 targets to get, I think it was like 55-odd yards or so. Five 57. 57, yep. Yeah. So the volume is great, but are you going to start him in a matchup where, like you said, the Steelers are absolutely dominant right now on defense? I mean... Just with the the question of start, I think that the answer has to be yes. Just because by the time you get down to you know a late flex in a PPR league, he's going to be in there. But I do not like starting Odell. I mean, it, it, in a game where he gets 12 targets, he can only come up with 5 for 57. That would have been 10 for 157 and two touchdowns back in the old days of Odell. And I don't know what's happened since then. Baker's terrible, and Odell seems to have, I don't know, lost a step, just not on, not connecting with Odell or with Baker. I don't know why he's struggling so much, even with the targets to produce. But until we see something different, I'm staying away as much as possible. So he's outside my wide receiver two tier, but would be in flex range. Let's pretend... You had waivers run, and you picked up Brian Hill. Are you starting Brian Hill or Odell Beckham? Brian Hill. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Going up against that the is Panthers fantasy run, football. D, man. That is fantasy football in a nutshell. We'll get to that game in yep. more detail in a bit. But, yeah, it's it's been horrendous uh, for that passing attack. Outside of Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry quietly has been pretty solid, actually, for fantasy 65-plus yards and or a touchdown in five of his last six. Um, but in recent weeks, the Steelers have shut down the slot. Receiver Tyler Boyd only had 33 yards. Cooper Cup, for whatever reason, zero receptions last week. Yeah, wild. And Keenan Allen, two for 33. So um, I would stay away from Jarvis in this matchup. Let's break down the, the backfield because that was the hot topic last week. We kind of discussed we maybe would see 10 to 12 touches from Kareem Hunt. And apparently, Okada, you can predict the future because Cream Hunt had 11 touches mm. in that game um, and turned it into 77 yards. So he looked good in his first game back. And I like the way that they used these two backs. You saw Nick Chubb basically kind of maintain his role as the running um, running back of the two. And Cream Hunt was more the pass catcher. You saw him lined up all over the field. At times, he was out wide, sometimes in the slot. Sometimes they were both on the field together. So it was good to see that. Um, at least somewhat creative scheming from the offense there in Cleveland. Um, out of these two, I, I think obviously Nick Chubb is the play, but is Kareem Hunt uh, startable in this matchup as a flex? Um, Yeah, I think he's startable as a flex. Um, he's kind of actually probably around, around the Odell tier, which is sad to say. Um, and I think this actually is a game where I might prefer him a little more than Chubb 
not not straight up, but for their values. So like maybe in a DFS lineup, I might prefer to go have more Hunt than Chubb. I think this is a game where he again gets a lot of catches, and that's exactly what we saw last week um, in a game that they were down for portions of it, um, fighting through a lot of it to contend with the Bills. Hunt got nine targets, seven catches, 44 yards. So I think we see that again. I wouldn't be surprised to see it again, and I would be okay flexing him in a half or full PPR for sure. Perfect. All right, man, let's kick it over to our next game. And this one, unlike Thursday Night Football, I am very excited to talk about. You have Deshaun Watson and the Texans taking on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens should be one of the marquee matchups of the week should be a ton of points it'll be fun for fantasy let's start on the Texans side of the ball we've talked about Deshaun Watson in the past being obviously a no-brainer start Um, the only question I have for you is where is he ranked for you this week given that it's a pretty tough matchup against the Ravens secondary who is now fully healthy Uh, well let's find out exactly where I know it's in my top five it is number four so I am confident. And I think I'm a little bit lower than you. I think I've got him down at nine. It's just Ooh. a matter of, I think, a lack of like one of his ceiling games. You know, I, I don't want to say a lack of because he can do it in every single week. But um, I'm sorry, correction, it is eight. But it's it's not a situation where it's a smash spot for him. So that's my only reason for ranking him there a little bit lower. Obviously, if you've got him, you are starting him for sure. Um, in terms of his pass catchers, Will Fuller did return to practice this week coming off of the hamstring injury from week seven. And Okada, you can speak to this better than anyone. I've been saying this all off season and early in the season, you know, um, I'm worried about him for his hamstring concerns. And here we are in week 11. If he is somehow active in this game, are you willing to go back to Will Fuller who we know the, the situation, right? When he's been on the field in past seasons, he's been really productive with Deshaun Watson, but Coming off of injury, are you willing to throw him in your lineup? I think it probably depends on my situation. If I am a team that is in, is kind of in the playoff picture, feeling confident against a team I think I can beat, I'm probably going to try to avoid Will Fuller and go for something safer. Like, uh, I don't know, Jameson Crowder is probably too high of an example, but more of a PPR guy that I know is going to get targets and be healthy. If I'm a 4-5 and five team... Wait, what? 5 Four and six? <laughs> Four and math. We're in week math. 11. You've played 10 games. <laughs> yes, that's right. Four and six or five and five, and I'm going up against a team that's in playoff contention, and I need to, you know, pull off a big game. That might be more of a situation I go for Will Fuller, hope for a big explosion. But I think for the most part, I'd prefer to avoid until we see him and, and know that he's 100%. Yeah, I agree with you. I still don't trust him this week, and I'm actually not even sure – um, that he actually does play. So we'll find out what the practice reports tell us later in the week. We will see. One thing, though, to note is if he does come back, I actually do like that for Kenny Stills, who should move back into the slot role. Um, he's kind of struggled playing on the perimeter in the last several weeks without Fuller, but I, I do like that. So just kind of a, a side note, maybe we'll talk about him in future matchups being in the slot. Something to monitor there for sure. Um, Darren Fells. Man, all this guy does at the age of 33 is catch touchdown passes in his fantasy breakout <laughs> season, um, like we all saw coming. He's got nine Wild. red zone targets, tied with DeAndre Hopkins for the lead on the team. Six touchdowns on the year. Is he in the tier of the poopy tight ends that we don't want to start, but actually will start? Um, Yeah, he's in the tier. I, I 
it's it's tempting to say he's near the top of the tier, but I don't even think that's true. He had a touchdown last week, but it came on one catch for one yard uh, <laughs> on three targets, and that's not a recipe for excellence. But I do think Deshaun Watson is going to be good. I do think Deshaun Watson is going to throw touchdowns, and for the most part, that's means mean that's meant Darren Fells is going to score touchdowns. <laughs> uh so words are hard yeah words and math man just get me out of there they you're not awake yet (laughs) no of course not um yeah he he falls into that tier with 15 other guys of guys i'm not confident in but will roll out there because it's a shot in the dark chance that he scores a touchdown basically yeah, I ranked him as a back-end tight end one just because he has the chance at the, the touchdown there. Uh, as far as the running backs are concerned, Duke Johnson still is getting minimal work. He's been kind of efficient recently, which has been um, good for him and if you're somehow starting him. But Carlos Hyde is, is dominating work. For Duke Johnson, I don't see a lot of success here. The Ravens are giving up the third-fewest receptions to running backs. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde, I think this is a very sneaky good matchup for him. The Ravens... Uh, allowing 625 rush yards in their last seven games and seven rushing touchdowns in that span. But we know the story. He doesn't get receiving work. Um, He's just your your 1995 running back. He's going to get carries on the ground. He's not going to be used in the passing game. Um, Are you in on Hyde this week as an RB2? Um, As an RB2, I do not believe that I'm quite that high on him. He's going to be in my flex range for sure. I have him at 27, so just outside RB2 range technically. Um, He could have an okay game. It's really going to depend on how quickly this Texans team can start because, to your point, he is not going to catch passes. Duke Johnson is going to have that role. So if uh, Lamar and Marquise Brown come out and have a couple huge plays and get a big lead early in the game, we might see a disappearance of Hyde. So... He's risky, I feel like, um, but still just outside that RB2 range. Yeah, and then on the Baltimore side of the ball, there's no one playing better football, I would argue, in the NFL right now, maybe Russell Wilson, than Lamar Jackson. Um, The dude is electric, and he looked fantastic last week. Did you see that spin move? Oh my gosh, he slapped that B button, or circle, depending on what uh, console you use. Yes, I love that reference. And destroyed the defense. Yeah, he's out of control, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's been awesome. And honestly, probably the the best value in fantasy for sure. I remember we talked about him with uh, Rob Waziak way back in the middle of summer about how he was one of our favorite late round targets. People were getting him like 10th, 11th, 12th round. And now you start him and you don't even ask questions about it. So obviously you're playing Lamar in this matchup. Um, let's break down the running back situation here. Mark Ingram has been pretty good for fantasy, but the issue is he's been pretty touchdown dependent. Um, he's got eight touchdowns in nine games, but Houston is giving up a lot of pass catching work to running backs. Do you see this as a scenario where maybe they work in other running backs that can catch the ball over Mark Ingram because he just hasn't been used that way? Uh, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of pass catching where it does go elsewhere, but I'm still okay, and actually I'm better than okay. I'm very confident in Ingram this week. Uh, I think that he has a strong week. I, Despite the fact that he doesn't get the passing work, he gets so much of the rushing work, and they get down to the red zone so much that he's really. I feel like he's one of the more reliable players in uh, at the RB position in all of fantasy. So he's right at the back end of RB1, kind of fringe RB1, RB2 for me this week. And I'll, I'll feel 
Very nice. Roll it him out. Yeah. Talk to me about uh, the pass catchers here. It doesn't really seem like there's many to talk about, which is nice. Like this team is just so easy to, to predict and project. You know, it, it's Mark Ingram, it's Lamar Jackson, and then it's Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. That's pretty much all we need to discuss. So let's start with Mark Andrews. We saw that breakout performance again last week after a, a pretty down month, honestly, for Andrews coming away with two touchdowns against Cincinnati. Is this something we can buy into and keep riding, or is that more just the product of the matchup against the Bengals, who are horrific in every category? Uh, no, I think Mark Andrews is good enough that we can trust a, a I don't want to say continuance, because there was obviously a stretch of rough games, or at least several rough games, although he did have a 99-yard game in that span. Um, also against the Bengals, by the way. Uh <laughs> So maybe it is the Bengals. I don't know. It, it, listen, he is above the polished turd tier, and that's really all that you can say for him. If uh, There's maybe four or five guys that make their way above that tier. Everyone else is just kind of a hodgepodge, um, and I think Mark Andrews is just above it. If if you're giving me you know, five or six options to start a tight end, he's going to be one of them. Yep, absolutely, and he comes in right at that five uh, mark for both of us this week so he is obviously our consensus fifth ranked tight end um, definitely a very strong play let's talk about Hollywood Brown because Okada I'm very excited and I'm going to tell you right now he's my start of the week at the wide receiver position mm. Hollywood Brown is going to smash in this game he is absolutely electric and when you look at what speed receivers have done against this secondary we have Ted Ginn Yes, Ted Ginn has done nothing for fantasy all year. In this matchup with the Texans, 7 for 101. Then, you look at Tyra Williams, 3 for 91. Calvin Ridley, 5 for 88 and a touchdown. Tyree Kill, 5 for 80 and 2. T.Y. Hilton, 6 for 74 and 1. He is going to get loose in the secondary and catch a touchdown. Tell me I'm wrong. I will not tell you you're wrong, Betts, because I fully yes. agree. This is... I feel like one of the best situations for a Marquise Brown game against his defense, which also has a great offense, which means that Lamar will be throwing at least a little bit. I think this will be a great competitive offensive game, uh, and I think that Marquise Brown will absolutely benefit. I do not see very much of a chance at all that he doesn't have at least one big play, maybe two, scores a touchdown. Uh, he's a mid, I'd say high-range high range wide receiver two for me this week how high does he get for you mr start of the week i will pull up my rankings right now and i will tell you in one second i have him at 17 this week you currently have him at 27 uh really that's not what i see (laughs) (laughs) i'm looking at the website right now sometimes the numbers don't always populate yeah sometimes they don't update automatically um where do do you have I, I, i have him at 19 behind love Kenny it. Galladay so love it right there all right man perfect let's get over into our next matchup here we've got the Falcons and the Panthers should be another fun game for fantasy here um, we'll start with some injury updates news broke today that Austin Hooper is now expected to miss at least a month with his MCL sprain from last week I talked about it on the injury recap pod you know basically saying how the MRI results were going to tell us how long he'll be out the month recovery or, or four weeks basically suggests this is a grade two sprain of that medial collateral ligament, which sits on the inside of the knee. Um, 
So obviously he's out for several weeks, further weakening the tight end landscape, um, which is tough. He was a league leader in receptions and yardage uh, at tight end. So huge downgrade there as far as I think a weapon in the offense. Um, and then for Devonta Freeman, you know, we're, we're looking at a foot sprain for him. Again, I talked about it on the injury recap pod. So go back and listen to our last episode, but essentially I'm concerned about like this being a multi-week absence and probably being something that can be a high risk of recurrence later in the year. So those are two situations that we'll definitely update everyone on as the year progresses. But um, two of the mainstays in this Atlanta offense are out. How much of an effect does that have on Matt Ryan this week? Um, It has a little bit of an effect, but it would be a lot worse if the – pass catching situation wasn't being filled in by Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley um so even though Austin Hooper has been the best at his position and probably the second best on the team um just as far as a, you know a go-to option for uh Matt Ryan he's gonna be fine I feel like uh, ideally this matchup wouldn't be the one where we lose Hooper because the Panthers pasty as we know is good um, so Matt Ryan's not going to necessarily be an elite option, but I don't think that Hooper necessarily would have made the difference there. I think that the talent he has elsewhere will be will keep him where he would have been anyways, which is outside QB1 conversation probably, but, you know, an okay streamer or a solid streamer. Yeah, I think I largely agree with you. Um, he'll be okay. Definitely not a smash spot for him. I agree the talent around him can elevate him to be uh, viable, at least in fantasy. Let's talk about those pass catchers there in Calvin Ridley and Julio. Carolina giving up the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers. So on paper, this could play out well for this matchup. Um, one other piece of news to talk about, James Bradbury missed last week, and we saw Devontae Adams absolutely explode. He could have had an even bigger day. Uh, Aaron Rodgers missed him on a deep bomb for a touchdown. But this is a week I think Julio Jones gets back on track. He hasn't found the end zone in several weeks. It feels like at the beginning of the year, he was Julio touchdown Jones, and we haven't seen it. Okada, call your shot. Is this the week Julio finds the end zone? Um, Please say yes because I own him everywhere. I feel like this is a game where he somehow manages to have 140 yards and no touchdowns. But, All right, that, that'd be fine. Yeah, I'm not yeah, upset it'll about be that. fine. Uh, no, but there is a good chance he gets in the end zone. Uh, I think that, you know, Hooper has been doing that and did it last week. So if with him out, that's one place that maybe Julio takes a, a bump. Maybe he gets more of the bump here than Matt Ryan gets a drop. Um, so, I, yeah, I definitely love Julio this week. I think he has a lot of work. Uh, and I don't feel quite as confident about Calvin Ridley. So. I, this is definitely a game where Julio could just dominate targets and have a, one of those big Julio games. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. How about on to you know, a replacement of Austin Hooper? Their depth chart looks like it's Luke Stocker as the next tight end up, but he's more of a blocking tight end. Do you know much about Jaden Graham? He's the next guy on the list. Um, I did a little bit of research on him before recording and basically found out you know he's more of that athletic tight end, more of a route runner. Um any interest in Jaden Graham, who actually did pretty well this preseason? Um, well, he's below the polished turd tier bet. So when you get down that far, you know it's getting dangerous. But <laughs> uh, if you want a super cheap option somewhere, it, there's a chance he makes a few catches and maybe gets a touchdown. 
um, filling in for Hooper. I, I would definitely not feel great about it, though. Obviously, the tight end position's a mess as it is with a bunch of guys who have been starters all year. So I'd really rather not re- rely on someone who's not that whatsoever. Yeah, definitely a DFS type of play for sure yep. if you're going to look his way. Um, I actually kind of like him this week. I'm, I'm probably going to play him in a couple lineups. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, as far as the running back position, we talked about Brian Hill versus Odell Beckham Jr. Um, locked and loaded, Brian Hill RB2 based off volume alone for you? Uh, let's just make sure he's not in my RB1 conversation real quick before I go saying that. I think he's just outside. Oh, 13. Uh, yeah. That, I believe in Brian Hill this week. Panthers are, for whatever reason, trash against the run. They're allowing the fourth most fantasy points to the running back position, depending on your format. Um, and Brian Hill has looked good at various parts of the year. He didn't look great last week, but that was against the Saints, who were definitely much better in that respect. In fact, pretty much the exact inverse of the Panthers as far as uh, difficulty for running backs. I think that he runs roughshod over this defense and has a game that we would have expected from Devontae Freeman in his heyday um, and is 100% startable. So just outside my RB1 range, but definitely above flex range, which is where Odell is. So yeah, give him give me Brian over Odell, which is sad to say. Yeah, I agree with you. I've got him at 16. This matchup is too good and he's going to get too much work not to exploit it. They're giving up a league-worst 5.2 yards per carry. Literally, you have to run the ball twice, and you get a first down against this team. Um, yeah, he, he's going to have a good week. Let's move on to the Panthers' side of the ball. Kyle Allen has been a guy that we've discussed as a streamer. Uh, I think you can play him this week in a matchup where he's facing off against Atlanta. Over-under is 59, or excuse me, 49 and a half. 59 would be crazy. Um, they're giving up the fifth-most fantasy points, but... He's only thrown for 300 yards, uh, more more than 300 yards, I should say, in one start. Are you interested in Kyle Allen this week? I am interested in Kyle Allen this week, very much, actually. Uh, you, you hit on how bad the Falcons' defense has been against quarterbacks. League average is about 16 fantasy, 16 to 17 fantasy points a game, and the Falcons are allowing 22 and a half. And I feel like Oof. Kyle Allen has basically been a league average quarterback. So I'm expecting something around 22 and a half, which is very much in consideration for QB1 uh, tier. And I, in fact, have him at QB11. So, yeah, give me some Kyle Allen for sure. Yeah, I have him just outside QB1 streaming option there. But certainly, like, I wouldn't be upset with anyone that played him over someone else that's right around my, you know, 11 to 14 uh, ranked quarterbacks for sure. So. Definitely startable in this matchup. I love DJ Moore this week, man. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think he's in for a huge game. We've seen the targets for him in the last three weeks go 9, 10, and 11 in three consecutive weeks. So the volume's been there. He's looked really good. Um, My only question for you is, how high does he fall in your rankings? Uh, Currently, he and Curtis Samuel, because I can never quite decide between the two, are back-to-back for me at 16 and 17 with... DJ Moore slightly taking the edge. Um, yeah, so they're they're both up there. I think they're both strong wide receiver two plays. Uh, and that's part of the reason that I like Kyle Allen, because I think they're both going to have great games. Even Greg Olson could be decent. So, yeah, give me some DJ. Give me some Curtis. Uh, do you have him that close, or do you have DJ much higher than Curtis? 
I've got DJ Moore right now ranked as my wide receiver 12 this week. Oh, wee! So I'm I'm bullish on him for sure. Uh, I think he's going to have a great week. I've got Samuel at uh, 19, so I definitely have him up there as well. He, they're both startable. Um, the nice thing about Samuel's matchup is he's getting the, the air yards, the deep passes, and Atlanta is 29th in the league in terms of yards per attempt allowed to quarterbacks. So he should he should find success deep down the field. And then, like you said, you know, Greg Olson, definitely startable, especially with the landscape. He's definitely a tight end one for both of us this week. Uh, saw 10 targets last week, so hopefully that can keep going for Greg Olson. All right, man, on to our next matchup here. We've got the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Detroit Lions. We'll start with an injury update for the Lions with Matthew Stafford. News broke, I think, on Saturday of last week, right before uh, the games kicked off, you know, the following day, that there was a good chance he was going to miss. Of course, we found out that morning that he would sit with the fracture in his lower back. And this is a situation where he can play through the fracture because of the fact that it's on a part of the lower back where the connection between the bone and um, kind of the middle of the spine is further off to the side. So the location of the fracture is not serious as far as concern for any nerve damage or anything like that. So um, it's basically a pain tolerance issue. I would suspect that for uh, Matthew Stafford, if he somehow does play in this game, he's going to wear an extra you know, type of cushioning underneath his flak jacket. He'll probably be playing through pain for sure. We saw him do this last year and actually have a pretty down year because of it. So my hope is let's sit him another week or two, maybe get him right for uh, the stretch run ahead and maybe look back towards like a Thanksgiving matchup as a return or something around there. So that's my hope, but we'll see. He did not practice today on Wednesday. We'll talk about an update for him when we record on Friday, but for now, it looks like there's a good chance he does sit. Um, let's talk about, you know, the two guys we always talk about here with the Lions. Give me your sense of how you're feeling about Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Uh, I'm feeling okay about both, actually. We saw surprising, I would say, competence from J.F. Driscoll last J.F. Driscoll. Week against the Bears, uh, no less. Honestly, Betts, that throw where he rolled out to his right and chucked it to Galladay for the touchdown, I believe it was Galladay on that touchdown, that was one of the best throws I've seen all year by any quarterback. That was incredible. So I feel fine. Both of them had a decent day uh, against the Bears. So if they can do that against the Bears, they can be okay against the Cowboys as well. So I'm willing to roll both out without much of a ding here. Everyone, you just heard Matt Okada say Jeff Driscoll is the best passer in the league. Add yep. him on Twitter at Matt Okada. Um, no, man, I, I agree with you. That was a, a great throw for sure. Um, Galladay definitely pushed off, but it was still a nice touchdown pass. <laughs> um, as far as the running backs are concerned, there's no one healthy right now except for J.D. McKissick. They had to elevate um, Paul Perkins from the practice squad to be the backup we've got ty johnson in the concussion protocol he did not play on in practice on wednesday and we're seeing this across the league where these guys coming off of concussion are very very likely to miss at least one game because of how conservative the league has gotten which is good for players health but as far as the backfield i mean it could be jd mckissick and no one else as far as competition are you willing to start jd mckissick in this matchup no I'm not. Oh, come on. Nope. Get out of my face with that. Uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised if Jeff, Jeff Driscoll led the team in rushing in every category 
Uh, pass. Man, what did he do to you? Uh, he was a Lions running back and like the third stringer in a game against the good Cowboys defense. That's what he did to me. <laughs> he's down. He's Sorry. almost outside of running back three range for me. Back end. I'm giving you a hard time, but I'm with you, man. I've got him at 33 this week in my ranks. Yep. I, I just don't see any upside with him in this matchup. I mean, he'll get you, you know, 15 carries for 45 yards maybe and a handful of catches. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm not really interested in J.D. McKissick there. There's just no upside. If you're absolutely desperate, then maybe. But uh, not excited for us at all this week. Let's move on to the Dallas side of the ball, and we're going to get a lot more excited about this matchup. This is an absolute smash spot mm. for Dak and Amari. I think they're going to dominate once again in this matchup. Um, both of them, for me, are ranked as QB1 uh, plays and wide receiver one plays, as always. Uh, anything to add there as far as those two? No. Uh, in fact, for me, it's almost up to the wide receiver one and QB1. Ooh. I have Cooper as my number two this week. And Dak is number five. So Love it. give me both. Yep, both are awesome plays for sure, especially if you're looking at maybe a DFS stack in your season-long matchup. They're locked and loaded. Um, Zeke, you know, not really much to discuss with him with the exception of it's been a little disappointing in the last couple of weeks, but this is a, obviously a situation where you, you bet on his talent and you bet on the workload, which should be there. Um, let, let's talk about Zeke real quick just for a minute. What is your kind of sense of, of what you're seeing on tape with him? Why has he struggled uh, in the last couple of weeks from what you're seeing? Um, it, it seems that maybe the team is becoming a little bit less of what it was, which is just absolutely ride him uh, constantly in, in, in a way where he pounds the defense down and ends up coming up with big plays. Um he really hasn't done that. Oh, he, he's had some very strong games, but uh, let's see. 2.4 yards of carry last week and four weeks ago, 3.8. He had a couple good weeks in between then, but it's just a, a situation where there's too many games where I feel like he's getting hit in the backfield. The offensive line's not playing quite as well, maybe, as it did a couple years ago. And he just has, doesn't have quite as much free room to run as he normally does. Having said that, more that's... I would say that's more of the exception for him than the rule. He's still one of the best running backs in the league. This offense is still one of the best offenses in the league, and he's still going to be one of the best bets at 100 yards any given week. So I'm very happy to have a matchup for the Lions this week so that we can get a massive game from Zeke. Yep, it's coming for sure. A guy like that with that kind of volume you cannot uh, ignore. So it'll be very solid for him this week. Let's kick it over to the next matchup here. We got the Jaguars and the Colts. Nick Foles coming back into the starting lineup, coming back from his fractured clavicle in week one. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, we've got Jacoby Brissett for the Colts coming back from his MCL injury from two weeks ago. He should be ready to roll. He practiced in full today. The team announced he will start. So um, let's start with maybe how Nick Foles affects the Jaguars offense. We've seen Gardner Minshew elevate DJ Chark to a wide receiver one in fantasy this year. Do you think it continues this week against the Colts with Foles back in the lineup? Um, I think he still has a good game. I think that there's a chance, and I said this before the pre or in the preseason, I guess, before the season, that Chris Conley is a little bit more of Nick Foles' go-to than he was uh, Gardner Minshew's. 
just because Foles has often preferred that kind of big guy who can go up and make jump ball catches, the Alshon Jeffries of the world, and Conley is definitely that. And in fact, the only pretty much play we saw from Nick Foles before he got hurt, and the play he got hurt on was a bomb touchdown to Chris Conley. So I think that maybe we see a little bit of a uh, scale you know, effect balancing out between those two as opposed to what we've seen for most of the year. But having said that, I think Chark is still great. I think Conley is still more of a shot play than a reliable receiver. Um, and I, I think more than anything, this probably helps Fournette. I think this is just gives them a little bit more confidence to be what they wanted to be initially, which was to have, you know, a strong, strong run game where then Nick Foles can take some deep shots out of play action and for the most part rely on the defense and, and Leonard Fournette to win. So I think we see that again, and I feel good about him for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Leonard Fournette's usage is just, uh, it's incredible, man. He's been getting so much work. It's so encouraging to see him used in the passing game the way that he is. Um, so yes, you, you love to see that for sure. He's locked and loaded. On the other side of the ball, of course, Marlon Mack is equally um, as much of a bell cow as Fournette. He's been getting work like crazy. And the offensive line is still very good. So you're starting him. With Brissett back in the lineup, maybe we see a jolt in the passing game. Man, they struggled last week with Brian Hoyer against the Dolphins on a two-game win streak. Let's not forget. <laughs> what is happening? Um, I actually heard this on a different podcast today. I can't remember which one it was. But uh, the Dolphins are only three games out of the playoff hunt in the AFC, which oh is stupid to even say. Um, but that's the reality. With Brissett back in the lineup, it looks like T.Y. Hilton will probably sit again in, in this matchup. Did not practice today on Wednesday. Any interest in going back to Zach Pascal? Yes. I would say mild interest. I feel okay about rolling Pascal out there uh, as a sort of a flex option. I think Jacoby Brightus Brissett has been above average. He's been very nice, I would say, this year. Um, and we saw some strong games from Pascal when he was in. Uh, and Hilton was out. So I'm willing to roll him out there again as a sort of probably third wide receiver. Yeah, I think I agree with that there. As far as the tight end usage, I am pretty encouraged about Eric Ebron. We saw uh, him come out last week and get more more work. He had a meeting apparently with the head coach before the, the game explaining his role and his frustrations, and we saw him get some more work. So I'm definitely comfortable rolling him out in that disgusting, uninspiring tier of tight ends that exists in today's fantasy landscape. Uh, so I definitely would start him as well. Anything else in this matchup, or you want to move on to the Buffalo and Miami game? I mean, I couldn't be more excited to get to Buffalo and Miami, so let's do that. Yes, let's talk about this game for literally one minute, no more. <laughs> um, I'm not starting anyone on the Miami side of the ball. New. You look at Devontae Parker, he's been really good for fantasy, like a wide receiver too over the last two months which is shocking to say, but he gets Tredavious White, who just shut down Odell Beckham Jr. No, thank you. Nope. Um, Kalen Balazs totaled, nope. what was it, 47 yards on 20 carries. Not good. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so on the Buffalo side of the ball, uh, Josh Allen is a smash play this week. How high do you have Josh Allen? Six. Love it. Yep. I am right there with you. I've got him at five, so we both love Josh Allen this week. Um, John Brown, the connection has been there. We haven't seen a really strong game from him in recent weeks. He's just been really steady, um, which is good for fantasy. You know, we, we like that stability. This matchup, though, you think he can go off and actually have a really 
productive sort of boom week? I definitely think he can. Um, that's always something John Brown can do, and it's actually really surprising that we haven't seen it really since week one when he had 123 yards and a touchdown. Every every other week, it's been somewhere between 50 and like 70, 80 yards, um, which, like you said, not something to complain about at all. He's been probably the most consistent receiver in the entire league, uh, but I would really like to see a boom game, and this is definitely one where it could happen. This The Dolphins secondary has nothing. They had something that they gave to the Steelers, and oh my goodness, has that worked out? Uh, but oh yes. yeah, that, uh, give me some John Brown. Give me some everything really on the Bills, but definitely give me John Brown. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, for sure. From the running back standpoint, we saw Devin Singletary two weeks ago take control and have a twenty-plus touch game. This past week, it was a little bit disappointing. We didn't really see um, the usage and the production we would have hoped to see. I assume you're comfortable going back to him in this matchup. I am, and I think that the Bills are going to be. I think that, you know, he he had a great start to the year. Then he was injured for quite a while. Then he came back and had 20 carries, and they won massively. He had 95 yards. And then they came out and gave him only eight carries and three catches. They did target him seven times, so they were trying to get him the ball through the air. But he averaged five, almost five and a half yards carry against the Browns last week, and they only gave him eight carries. What that makes absolutely no sense, and the Bills ended up losing that game. So I think they hopefully will learn their lesson, feed this guy the ball. He is very good, very dynamic, and I think against this defense could easily have a massive like 150 yard rushing game if they give him the 20 carries that he probably deserves here. Yes, I definitely am on board with that. And Okada, we almost did it. We came in at about 1.30 in breaking down nice. that game. So uh, right. almost a minute to discuss a full game. That's honestly all you need to know for that matchup. The Bills uh, defense, obviously a very strong play as well. Let's move on to the Broncos at the Vikings. Um, on the Broncos side of the ball, same thing. We can keep it relatively short. Brandon Allen, man, it's a smash spot for the Vikings defense. They're going to absolutely dominate. They're my number one ranked defense this week in fantasy because of the fact that they can sell out to stop the run. We saw that on Sunday night, holding Zeke to 47 yards. Um, and if they do that against two good backs in Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, are you telling me Brandon Allen's not going to throw at least two interceptions in this matchup? Opportunity for pick six. Like I am definitely, definitely, definitely playing the Vikings defense everywhere I can. Um, so I love that. As far as the running backs are concerned, Okada, any interest in Philip Lindsay and or Royce Freeman in this matchup? Um, I think you have to be mildly okay rolling Lindsay out there. He's had 10 plus carries. Well, he had nine last week, but before that he had 10 plus in one, two, three, four straight games. Um, and gets a little bit of work in the in the passing game here and there too. He's okay is what he's going to be this week pretty much he's going to be a guy that you flex probably maybe even sneaks into rb2 territory but i don't expect a great game from him and i don't really want to start royce freeman i don't expect much from him he's uh well outside my rb2 territory and Lindsay is just inside it so not really feeling great on either yeah we saw and this might have been an anomaly we saw the offense run only 43 plays in week nine before their week 10 bye, with Brandon Allen as the starter. And if, if that does continue, man, the upside of these guys is absolutely gone. Um, so certainly you hope that that changes, but I agree with you, man, tough matchup. It's hard to really trust both guys. I prefer Lindsay as well. 
if I'm going to pick one of the two, but certainly I'm tempering expectations. How about Cortland Sutton, who's been very, very good this year, 70-plus yards and or a touchdown in eight of his nine games. Man, what a catch two weeks ago against Denzel Ward. Um, Went over the top and absolutely mossed him for that touchdown. But it's Brandon Allen. How? Let me put it this way, okay? Cortland Sutton is probably a wide receiver three flex consideration for most people. Where do you have him ranked this week? Ooh, let's see. Uh, ooh, 28th at wide receivers. So definitely in the wide receiver three range. Um, and listen, he's he's like a John Brown light. He's been incredibly consistent somewhere between, you know, 50 to 80 yards almost every week. But 56 last week in the game with Brandon Allen was his lowest since week two. I really think that does make a difference. And I think the Vikings defense is probably a little bit even better than the Browns. Uh, maybe similar. So I don't feel great about Sutton this week. He's probably the lowest I've ranked him since, I don't know, a long time ago when he really had established himself as a consistent option this year. So not feeling great. Yeah, I've got him at 25. So I'm kind of right there with you. I think he's certainly flexible. But man, definitely not what he was the first month and a half of the season. For Noah Fant, it's encouraging at least what we saw. I mean, he's the type of guy who he played a season high 85% of the snaps before the bye. He ran a route on 21 of 23 pass, uh, or I should say dropbacks for Brandon Allen. So he's on the field. He's running a ton of routes. He's in that category of tight ends where we don't know what to do with except for just hope and pray. But at least he's got the athleticism, I would say, to make a play um, and get down the field, which we saw in that Week 9 matchup where the Browns pretended to play flag football <laughs> on that pass completion. Oh, um, that was man, so hideous. The worst tackling I've seen in recent years. Easily. Horrible. So, so bad. So that's, that's what you're hoping for, for Fant. Um, we can probably move on to the Vikings side of the ball. Dalvin Cook is obviously a lock in your lineup. We don't really need to discuss him too much there. I think the most intriguing discussion here is Stefan Diggs, who without Adam Thielen has been bad. Like I can't even look at the stats right now, but I think it's been like five or six receptions over the course of those two weeks. It's It's been really, really down. And we've seen Dalvin Cook elevate. He's had five for 73, four for 45, seven for 86 from weeks eight to 10. That's in his receiving game without Adam Thielen there. And I suspect Adam Thielen sits in this matchup again, coming off of the hamstring strain and they're on by next week. So it makes sense from a timeline perspective to keep him out. What's going on with Stefan Diggs? Where you have him ranked? Are you playing him in this matchup? Um, give me your temperature there on Diggs. Um, I am playing him in this matchup. I have him ranked, I think, in the back end of wide receiver two territory. Let's see, 19, so actually kind of mid-range wide receiver two. Yeah, we've seen kind of inconsistency from Diggs throughout his career, and I think this has just been a couple of those down games. I think it was even worse than what you suggested on the stats. I think you said five. He's had four catches for 53 yards combined over the last Ugh. two weeks. Yeah, really odd and... Uh, unfortunate for Diggs fans coming off those three massive games before that. But I I still think he's one of the most talented players in the league. I think you got to roll him out there. Um, he does have bust potential. I think he has more bust potential than you would like from almost any wide receiver two uh, right now. But he's too good to sit. So he's going to be my wide receiver two territory until further notice. Yeah, I'm actually 
quite a bit lower. I'm I'm at 27 for Diggs this week. Ooh. And it's not even the Ouch. fact that I don't believe in him. Obviously, the talent is there, but you said he could easily bust and finish as like the wide receiver 50 as he's done in the yep. past couple of weeks. Um it's a tough matchup, you know, going up against Chris Harris Jr. I suspect he'll see a lot of him and obviously that's a difficult matchup where um he'll have to really play at his his best to beat him there. So I'm nervous about Diggs this week. And as a result, I'm nervous about Kirk Cousins. Um, he's been great. 15 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio in his last six starts. So Cousins is cooking right now. He's looked great, but it's a tough matchup. The Denver defense has yet to allow a top 12 finish to a quarterback in fantasy. Is Kirk Cousins the first one to do it? Um, No, not at all, Bets. He is going to have a terrible week. <laughs> um, <laughs> this team has allowed the kind of tied for the second fewest passing touchdowns in the entire NFL behind only the Patriots who have allowed three so that doesn't even count they're like another species of defense um, but yeah I, I have little to no interest in Kirk Cousins this week um, even as a streamer I'd probably lean away he's currently 18 for me behind Jacoby Brissett I believe so no, thank you. I'll pass. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Quarterback 18 for me as well. Uh, certainly, I don't want to start him if I can avoid it at all cost. Let's move on to the next matchup here, our last one for tonight's show. We have got a riveting, exciting... Uh, give me another word for exciting. Uh, it depends on if you're talking about the Jets-Redskins or the Saints-Buccaneers. Because no, I'm talking about the Jets-Redskins, man. Okay. Um, how about hideous? Does that work? <laughs> yes, of course. I was being facetious. Uh, this game is going to be <laughs> not fun to watch. Again, we'll keep it short. There's not a lot of fantasy options to talk about. Le'Veon Bell, you're starting because of volume. Washington is obviously very weak against the position. Um, so certainly Bell could get on track in this game. Any interest in Sam Darnold this week? He's coming off of a quarterback seven finish last week. Uh, Washington rank, ranks bottom 10 in sacks and quarterback hits. So certainly Darnold has time in this matchup to deliver the ball. Uh, relatively speaking for Darnold, I have interest. He's my number 16 quarterback right now, which kind of puts him at the end of streaming territory. Uh, normally he'd be at least five spots lower than that with the way things have been going, but yeah, I'm okay rolling him out there. I think that the Redskins D is just as bad as Sam Darnold is, so <laughs> he could have an okay game. Yikes. Um, Jamison Crowder has been absolutely rock solid as a PPR option, so I think you definitely start him again. Uh, the targets are there. The production is there. And this is a revenge game for Jamison Crowder taking on mm. the Redskins, so you like to see that. Um, Robbie Anderson, droppable in fantasy? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, he's gone. Uh, how about the tight end situation? We're seeing Chris Herndon obviously now on injured reserve with that rib injury. Ryan Griffin had been really productive um, in his previous matchups here, going 10 receptions, 116 yards, two receiving touchdowns against the Jaguars and Dolphins from weeks 8 to 9 before the return of Herndon in week 10. Are you going back to Ryan Griffin in that disgusting tier? I mean, he's at the bottom of it for me, honestly. He he could definitely have an okay game. He could definitely have a 5 for 50 
and you hope for that touchdown. And really, that touchdown is what would make the difference. Um, so yeah, he he fits in that tier. I think he's streamable, uh, but I don't expect a great game or anything like that. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you uh, on that. On the Redskins side of the ball, we have news that Dwayne Haskins has been named the starter until otherwise, uh, until anything changes, basically. So he's the starter rest of season for the Redskins. Are we finally going to see the narrative that we've been talking about and everyone else has been talking about with the connection, the college connection between Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins? Can we trust Scary Terry in this matchup? Uh, yes. Uh, I have him as wide receiver 20, which I feel like is pretty good. Um, I think he's definitely startable. I think he has great PPR upside in this game um, for a Dwayne Haskins target, at least. Um, I, I really feel like Haskins can only get better because he has been a straight doo-doo so far. Not good. Not good. Um, and uh, not too much scares me about this Jets D. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely okay rolling McLaurin out there. And I hope he has a great game because I'm a big fan. Yeah, for sure, man. I actually think we are going to see a pretty strong performance from McLaurin. Uh, the corners for the Jets have been atrocious this season. They're getting absolutely destroyed. Darius Slayton went off last week 121 yards and two. Um, we've seen guys like Preston Williams in the past destroy this this team. Philip Orsett even went about 50 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, you can beat the secondary. I'm definitely starting Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver, too. Okada, we've got one final juicy matchup, and this one for sure I think is um, maybe the best fantasy game to talk about. Let's talk about the Saints and the Buccaneers. We have Jameis and Drew Brees going head-to-head. Should be a ton of passing volume in this matchup. I'm going to start this game preview the same way we talked about Thursday Night Football. Give me your favorite start in this matchup because there is a lot of firepower here to talk about. Wow, that is a such a loaded question because there's so many good players. Um, but Michael Thomas is my number one wide receiver, so I feel like I probably have to say him since he's the only player in this game that leads his position. Having said that, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who are both also in this game, are both in my top six at the wide receiver position. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's great all around. Drew Brees, I think, has a potentially massive game he's my number three quarterback Jameis Winston can have a a really solid you know one of his 300 plus and three type Jameis games Um, the only guy who's not as elite as he would normally be probably for me is Alvin Kamara he drops all the way down to six oh my goodness you hate Alvin Kamara it's just terrible Uh, but no this this Buccaneers defense we've talked about it many times Rundy is I guess elite is really the only term for fantasy. They're one of the best in the league. So, uh, but but I think that Kamara is going to be what he's Kamara first of all. So he can destroy uh, pretty much any run defense. But also he can get work through the passing game, beat them that way, and will still be great. But he's the only guy who's not like even more elite than normal for me. So give me all the pieces for sure. Do you have? Do you disagree on Michael Thomas as the absolute favorite, or is it just no, all win? He- no, 100%. I'm with you. Um, yep. He went off 11 receptions, 182 yards, and two touchdowns in week five against Tampa Bay earlier this year. And that was with Teddy Bridgewater starting. Ah, So, yes, Michael Thomas, my wide receiver, won this week. I absolutely love him. I agree, though, man. Like, uh, 
Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are going to absolutely destroy. Um, Marshawn Lattimore picked up a pretty significant hamstring strain last week. The Saints' top cornerback. So Mike Evans, I think, is going to absolutely smash this week. And then you look at Chris Godwin. He's going up against P.J. Williams in the slot, who is absolutely atrocious and gets burned by everyone. So Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. Yes, give me, give me, give me, give me every single player in this matchup. I think the only question mark that we should discuss is Jared Cook. He's kind of been on that streaming radar. I'm actually pretty bullish on Jared Cook this week. 70-plus yards and or a touchdown in three straight games. Are you with me on Jared Cook? Yes, I am. He's my number six. He is in the whatever the name is we haven't come up with yet for the tier above the polished turd tier. Um, He is probably one of the six-ish, six or seven, maybe eight, guys that I can actually rely on this week as a tight end. Um, So, yes, give me some Jared Cook. Yes, for, for sure. I'm with you there. Um, as far as the running backs are concerned, the only one that I think is a question mark is Ronald Jones. We saw him get a ton of work last week. We actually saw him catch eight footballs for 77 yards, a sentence I thought I would never say when we talked about him coming out of college. Um, but we had news today, you know, Bruce Arians basically giving his vote of confidence to Jones in the passing, you know, type of, of usage there. It's a tough matchup on paper against a, a good Saints run defense. Do you think he has enough volume, though, to project him as a running back, too? No, I don't. I'm not bought in yet. Uh, Arians can be bought in if he wants. I am not bought in. (laughs) I need to see a few more games from Ronald Jones to really believe. Uh, He's RB29 for me, so close to the RB2 range, but not quite there. Like you said, the Saints, Steve, very good against the run, uh, and I'd prefer to avoid him if possible. Yeah, in my initial ranks, I've got him at 24. I could certainly see that changing, though. So I'm, I'm with you. Back-end RB2 flex consideration uh, this week. All right, man. That was all of the 1 o'clock games. And, of course, Thursday Night Football. We're going to preview the 4 p.m. Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football games on our Patreon show, which we will record on Friday. Before we get out of here, Okada, let's get over into the mailbag. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? All right, Okada. This first one comes in from at Randy Mal. Zero four on Twitter. He says, in a half PPR league, I have both Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry at tight end. Someone offered him Miles Sanders for Evan Ingram, and he lacks depth at running back. Is this enough uh, of a return for Evan Ingram to just get Miles Sanders? Uh, before we can answer this question, Betts, I need you to tell me what we expect from Evan Ingram from a health standpoint. Yeah, so he's de- dealing with a midfoot sprain, and we've seen how problematic these can be from um, a performance standpoint. Obviously, we have to look at guys like now Devonta Freeman, uh, also out, and Cam Newton. Now, the severity of this, I don't actually know. It's worth noting Evan Ingram uh, basically did finish that game that he got injured. So it's it's not like it's a, you know, we're looking at three months recovery for Ingram. I, I think it's dicey for sure at this point in the season. The team's on by, though, so we're not going to really know a lot about Evan Ingram until next week. I'm certainly hesitant. I think it's going to be at least two to three weeks before we see him back at full strength at a minimum. Um. Okay, that makes it tough because I would have said I don't think this is enough. I think Evan Ingram is an elite tight end. You need to be able to get more for him than just a Miles Sanders. Maybe just don't let your friend who you're trying to make this trade with listen to Betts' breakdown <laughs> 
and try to convince him that Ingram is going to be fine and then trade for more. Um, but yeah, I would rather, I would really rather get something a little better. But if you don't feel good, confident about Ingram, and especially if you need um, a playoff push now, if that makes sense, if you're kind of on the fringe and you really need performances now, uh, it might be something I'd consider since Ingram may be out for a few weeks. Although, to be fair, Miles Sanders is playing the Patriots, which is kind of like being on by. Not really. He'll be okay. What do you think, Betts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you can get more for Evan Ingram. I think he still has enough name value. And you look at tight end, like it's just disgusting. So he's an every week top five option there, and you've got Hunter Henry, so you're stable. I would try to be a little bit more aggressive here and get something uh, either on top of Sanders or a top tier uh, player in addition to what you're looking at here. Next question comes in from at Josh Nimrod Nims uh, on Twitter. He just has a simple start sit question. He's got three options in a PPR league. Tevin Coleman, Robert Woods, or Calvin Ridley. Who are you going with this week? Ooh, let's take a quick gander at my rankings. Um, I'm going to go with Tevin Coleman, Betts. Uh, Robert Woods and Jared Goff. Yeah, going up against the Bears doesn't make me feel great. In fact, uh, the Jared Goff we're seeing now may be a result of the breaking that we saw the last time they, pay- they played the Bears, if you guys remember, in that wintry game last year. Before that game, Goff was great. Ever since then, he's been trash. So I think the Bears broke him. There's a good chance they break him again here. I don't feel great about Woods. Um, and Ridley we talked about a little bit. I think he'll be okay, but he's not quite uh, as reliable. Tevin Coleman, on the other hand, is my running back eight. So, yep. yes, please. Yep, I'm with you there. Tevin Coleman is the play. We didn't talk about this player because we haven't previewed the game yet. We'll talk about it on Friday. But Matt Breda looks like he's going to miss at least one week. He aggravated his ankle sprain that he's been dealing with for uh, two years now. And Tevin Coleman should definitely, definitely, definitely be in your lineup this week. So I am with you on that. And let's just transition right into the next question because it it ties right into the Jared Goff discussion. At Neil95MC wants to know, are we thinking McVay turns things around? I don't know how to get him more time in the pocket. He's referring to Jared Goff. When there's no draft capital and no cap space, it's not looking good. Oh, man, it has Ooh. been atrocious for Jared Goff this season. You talked about it. It's another tough matchup on the road. Uh, he's been terrible in games where the defense can get after the quarterback. He's been terrible. He just lost two starting offensive linemen. That's not good. Um, what's your temperature here? Does, does Sean McVay turn it around? Do, do the Rams turn it around? Uh, I will answer this question with a small story, Bets, which is that I work with Maurice Jones-Drew uh, on a weekly basis. Who uh, so does fancy radio. of you to yes. drop that name there? <laughs> does radio? Uh, he does the radio calls for the Rams um, and is very plugged into that organization. He is the most uh, heinously blind Rams believer uh, and has been for as long as I've known him, which is a year and a half now. Always talking about how the Rams are the best team in the league, never giving up on them. This week, I was sitting in our green room before a show, and we we started talking about the Rams, and he said, nope, it's over. I've given up. The Rams are out. That is as the heart of a death knoll as you can possibly get. I think that the Rams this year, it's it's going to be a mess. I don't think they really pull it back together. I think they're suffering, honestly, from a Super Bowl hangover a got whooped by the Patriots 
lost all sense of self and identity and haven't found it again yet. Um, having said that, I think kind of the second part of Neil's question, which relates to draft capital and cap space, is looking forward past this year even. And I think that they do turn it around in the future. I, I think that the main thing they need to do is get some offensive line help. I think they'll figure out a way to do that. Um, shift things around, make some trades, whatever it takes. Hopefully get a good draft pick. Obviously they have some draft capital, if not some great draft capital. So if they can address that, I think it makes a big difference. And I think that for Dynasty, you can expect good things for this team. But this year, it's certainly not what we had hoped from the Rams' offense. Yeah, I, I think you said that perfectly. I don't know I can add too much there, so I'm with you on that. And with that, Okada, we will wrap up the show. Uh, obviously, we went a little bit long tonight, but uh, hey, it's it's crunch time. We're looking towards the fantasy playoffs. There's a lot to talk about. Okada, why don't you take us out of here uh, and let the people know where they can find us and where we can find uh, all of our rankings, etc., all that good stuff. Definitely. You can find all of the rankings and all of the great articles that our writers are putting up at redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Um, you can also tweet specific more questions to us for potentially the Patreon mailbag if you want to get in our Patreon. Uh, you can go into our Patreon and do that, or you can tweet us at RetroitsFFPod. Betts is at the Fantasy PT. If you need any medical knowledge, I am at Matt Okada. If you want to hear stories about Maurice Jones-Drew, which I have some good ones of, <laughs> some I'm probably not allowed to share. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, week 11, here we come. So little of the season left, even less of the fantasy season left. So hopefully you go out there and get some wins, get yourselves into playoffs, and win some Red Shirts championships. That's, uh, that's us signing off for now. Until the Patreon pod, if you're in our uh, Patreon, or until next week, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.